church, which this church was called at that time. And uh, that was our beginning there. Uh, I was baptized into Christ in 1954. In 1962, I enrolled down at the University of Illinois and uh, was a part of the Christian campus uh, house ministry down there and uh, also attended Weber Street Church of Christ in Urbana, which uh, I know that uh, some of you are familiar with that. In 1966, in April, Connie and I were married, and by August of that year, we were out in uh, Yuma, Arizona, and we were members of First Christian Church at Yuma, Arizona, uh, which is also a, a restoration movement church. We returned back to the University of Illinois in 1968 and placed our membership at at Weber Street Church of Christ. We returned here in the fall of 1969, and uh, we're here until early 1985, and then we went up to Wisconsin for about eight years, and we were members of the uh, Beaver Dam Church of Christ uh, in Wisconsin, and we returned back here in 1992, so <clears throat> we've been several places. But anyway, we were actively involved in uh, in all of these churches, and thereby developed a better understanding of uh, Christ and, and his church and the Bible uh, throughout our experiences there. But the maturity process is, continues. And uh, I'd like to read from uh, Philippians. And by the way, I've got about 20 scriptures today, so if you want to write these down, I'm not going to read them all uh, to you, but uh, I believe the Bible can explain itself better than I can explain the Bible. So anyway, Paul uh, wrote about this in Philippians, uh, the second chapter, verse 12 through 14. He says, Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And the, Paul uh, wrote this at the time that uh, he was getting of quite an age. So uh, he still didn't feel that he'd reached the goal. But this morning I'm going to uh, share with you what I've come to understand is the plan of salvation. Uh, this is something that I uh, have learned from elders and church leaders and uh, guest speakers, personal study, and, and uh, all of this over the past about 65 years. For many years, uh, the Restoration Movement, which his church uh, was started as, has summarized the biblical steps of salvation as to hear the word, believe the word, confess, uh, repent, I should say first, and then confess our faith and then be baptized into Christ Jesus' life. Uh, this morning I'm going to review um, these steps with you. Um, the first step, hearing, is pretty obvious. If you don't haven't heard the word or you haven't read the word or anything, you obviously, obviously aren't going to know the word. Uh, the second step, believe, uh, is a little more serious. Um, before we take the step, we need to believe 
what the Word of God tells us. <clears throat> in First um, John four one through three, John writes this. He says, "Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets." have gone out into this world. This is how we can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. I did a little search uh, on Google and... uh, found that there are about five to 6,000 churches similar to, to our church in the United States. And uh, each one of these churches is self-supporting, uh, has no connection with any other organization, and uh, operates basically as this church does. However, there are also in the United States about 200 different denominations of Christians, which is kind of hard to believe. But then if you imagine how many churches uh, there are in these denominations, there are a lot of different people. Now, obviously, we don't believe we're the only Christians. We're trying to follow the Restoration Movement principles, which is to go back to what the church was in the first century. But we also accept as brothers in Christ others that claim to be Christian uh, throughout the world. And we do that here with our Eurekma uh, organization of all the churches up in up Rock Island County. <clears throat> Moving on then to repentance, you may recall the series of messages that Darren preached, the last series that he preached when he was here. And he covered repentance, I thought, about as well as it could be covered. And I think he had either four or five sermons on repentance. And repentance is not only repenting at the time that we uh, learn of Christ and we decide to accept Him, but it's continuing to repent as we fall short and as we ask God to forgive us and get back into His grace again. And and Darren uh, did a real good job of pointing that out. It really ends up in radical change, I think was the word he used at at the end of those messages. Confess then. Uh, Jesus asked his disciples, he said, Whom do you say that I am? In Matthew 16, 15, and 16, we read, But what about you? He asked, Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, uh, also would be the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And before a person is baptized, they should be asked to confess what they believe about Jesus and whether He is Lord of their life. Be baptized. And uh, why is baptism an important part of salvation? We read in Acts 2.38, brothers, they ask, what should we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive receive the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist, of course, prepared the way uh, for Jesus, as is written in the 
and in the Gospels, especially in Matthew. <clears throat> in um, I'm sorry, I got lost here. Anyway, John the Baptist uh, prepared for Jesus, and this is in Matthew three, eleven through twelve. He said, "I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear the threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn." and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Next, then, we read about Jesus' baptism. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan. This is in Matthew three, thirteen through 17. Came to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. Do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. <clears throat> as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. After that, then, we read in, in uh, the Gospels that uh, the apostles were baptizing as they traveled around with Jesus. And, of course, their baptism at that time was what? It was the baptism of John the Baptist because Christ hadn't died yet. Uh, next, uh, and I'm not going to read these, but there are a couple of other instances about baptism. One was Simon the sorcerer, and if you read, uh, that is in chapter 8 of, of the book of Acts, um, and that's an interesting story, but it gets kind of long. Uh, also, the Ethiopian eunuch, which uh, is spoken about uh, very frequently when we have a baptism here, is referring to the Ethiopian eunuch, and when he was traveling with, with his chariot and Philip, of course, went to him, and they came to water, and, and he was baptized. Next is uh, Cornelius and Peter, and I'm not going to get into that whole story, but it's kind of interesting because God talked to, uh, basically, to Cornelius and Peter at the same time, and, and what Peter needed to learn was that the Gentiles uh, were included in Christ's uh, salvation plan, as well as as uh, the Jews, and the other thing that Cornelius had to learn, he had received John the Baptist's baptism, but he'd never been baptized into Christ. And uh, you you may recall that uh, he told uh, Cornelius to send somebody to find uh, Peter, who was staying with uh, Simon the Tanner, whose house was by the sea. I can always remember that, but. Anyway, they got together. It ended up then, of course, uh, Cornelius was uh, baptized into Christ. Next in the book of Acts in chapter 16, uh, verses 13 through 15, we learn about Lydia's baptism. And it reads, On the Sabbath we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down, began to speak to the women, 
who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Next is uh, in Acts in 16, verse 30, uh, is the Philippian jailer and his family. And that story, uh, Paul and Silas were in prison and uh, all of a sudden God had the uh, gates of the, of the prison open. The shackles fell off of, of them. And, of course, the uh, man who was in charge of the prison thought he would probably be uh, sacrificed because he let the prisoners go and of course they told him not to uh, not to worry because they were all still there and it says that then that all of the uh, prisoners and their families were baptized in Corinth then uh, in Acts 18 it talks about Crispus the synagogue ruler and his entire household believed in the Lord and many of the Corinthians who heard him, believed, and were baptized. I have uh, trifocals, and this gets difficult sometimes to find. But Anyway, next in Acts 18.24 is uh, Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, they explained the, God, the word of God to Apollos more adequately because he knew only John's baptism of repentance and didn't know about the baptism into, into Christ. In Acts 22, uh, we learn about, uh, again, in Acts 9 and in Acts 22, we learn of uh, Saul's conversion to, to Paul. And this in 22 is uh, talking about his conversion. <clears throat> Paul, arrested in Jerusalem, speaks to the crowd, telling them of his conversion and baptism. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at the very, that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Moving to Romans, then, in chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And then uh, another example that we've uh, heard quite a few times uh, preached is the Great Commission in Matthew uh, 28, 18 through 20. There, uh, Jesus said, uh, I'm sorry. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Just about three more, and then we'll be done. Anyway, in Ephesians uh, 4, 4 through 5, we read this. There is one, and of course, these are Paul's writing. There is one body and one spirit, just as we were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And then in Colossians uh, 2, verses 9 through 12, Paul wrote, For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him you were circumcised, in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith, in the power of God who raised him from the dead. And finally then in 1 Peter 3, beginning with verse 20, God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand with angels, authorities, and power, authorities and powers, submission to him. So I think uh, the whole point I'm trying to get across that wasn't clear is that I think baptism is, in my mind, is an essential uh, part of the plan of salvation, not, not just an addition. And, you know, we've heard people will argue these things, and we don't need to argue them, but and would say um, the, thief, the thief on the cross wasn't baptized. And that's true, he wasn't. However, that was during the Old Covenant. Christ hadn't died yet at that point. He hadn't been buried and resurrected uh, from the grave. So obviously there wasn't any any need for baptism, plus the fact that that God Himself in Christ was there, and He could, <laughs> He could obviously uh, tell Him uh, that He would be saved. And what if you die before you're baptized? We've heard people talk about that. Well, I doubt that if you came to be baptized and made that decision, that God isn't going to uh, let us die in the process between that. But uh, even if we did, uh, that's up to God. And obviously the whole thing is up to God, not not us. But I'm just trying to share with you what the scriptures, I believe, say. So is baptism, is baptism essential for salvation? God only knows for sure. But the written record of conversions indicates that it's very important, if not uh, essential. And then I'll touch on this last thing, which... Uh, not trying to step on anybody's toes, but what about the sinner's prayer? And I uh, did a little Googling on this because I've never found it in the Bible and I've wondered where it came from. Well, apparently, uh, and I think 
and I don't recall for sure, but it may have been John Calvin. But anyway, it wasn't until the 19th century that the sinner's prayer ever, that's when it was uh, designed or whatever. So uh, anyway, the Apostle Paul wrote in Second Timothy, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So to summarize then, um, and I think all of the Restoration Movement uh, churches, and if you don't know about the Restoration Movement, that was uh, after, um, of course, Martin Luther had uh, tacked his things on the door of the church and been excommunicated and, and the whole Reformation took place. Uh, then there were still divisions. And, of course, Christ prayed in John, 19, John uh, I think it's the 19th chapter, 17th chapter. Anyway, he prayed for unity within the church. And uh, there were several preachers who got together and said, you know, we've got all of this di- these divisions in the church, which, of course, we still have today. Um uh, but let's just go back and make the church what it was in the first century. Use only the Bible as our uh, doctrine and not creeds and, and that sort of thing. So that's how the Restoration Movement uh, occurred. And that's how then they come up to say, hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized, and, and live the Christian life. And of course that... in includes more repentance as we go along. So I'll close this morning then finally with this, um, these verses from Colossians that Paul wrote in chapter 2, 6 through 12. He said, So then, just as, Christ re- just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ all fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. So this morning as we sing the invitation song, and it's kind of interesting, I uh, emailed uh, Laura the other day and and said, uh, could we sing Victory in Jesus for the closing uh, him today, and she emailed me back that she had already chosen that for this week. So we're in sync. But so if you've never accepted uh, Christ as Lord of your life and made the good confession of faith, or if you're an immersed believer in Christ and you'd like to place your membership uh, here at uh, Countryside, please come forward as we sing "Victory in Jesus." Mm-hmm.